This is CyberPod EU, the European cybersecurity podcast powered by Sockwise. So, as we did this investigation, we ended up finding three employees that looked to have taken sales material and classified by classified companies vital information and were walking to a competitor with that piece of information. Now it's almost 300 days until they they, they realized that they've been they already been hacked or just that was an accidental data breach. So education, I have to say, is the key to help protect is understanding what is out there and helping your employees know what to not do, um, what to avoid. Hi everyone, and welcome to a new episode of CyberPod EU. Today I had a very interesting talk with Morgan Alexander, Chief of Cyber Forensics of the cybersecurity provider Quantum Cyber Lab. And I hope at the end you'll agree that he has an amazing background from military to NSA in the US, then moving to Germany, but also had interesting roles within the cybersecurity. So in this episode, we tackled the very important but often overlooked topic of employees acting as insider threats in their own company. But not only employees can act as insider threats, also customers or even partners can have malicious intent. While there is a number of many different motives that drive people to harm their own employer or partner. There is one similarity. Every one of those inside actors present a huge security risk for companies. So let's not waste any more time and jump right into today's episode. So I'm very, very happy to introduce and welcome my guest today, Morgan Alexander, Chief of Cyber Forensics of the German cybersecurity provider Quantum Cyber Lab. Hi, Morgan. How are you today? I'm doing great, Greg. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to this talk. I was so excited that I can have you here because <laughs> we've got some nice time together. And I, and I learned a lot, uh, even from, from uh, personal and from expertise uh, aspects, that I'm, I'm really looking forward to this conversation today. So... Uh, you are an American in Munich. That also sounds interesting. And you have a fascinating career to me. Could you tell some words uh, about this? Sure thing. Yeah, um, I moved to Germany about six years ago from the United States. Um, before, while I was living in the United States, I worked for the Department of Defense and doing intelligence for and cybersecurity. And I decided U.S. is fun, but it's time for me to go explore Europe a little bit. Uh, so I moved out here and instantly fell in love with Germany. And I realized it had a unique opportunity in the world of cybersecurity that Germany was moving into the 21st century at a faster rate, but they weren't fully properly thinking about all the security parts. They were doing a good job of protecting themselves from the outside, mm -hmm. but they weren't doing a great job of protecting themselves from the inside. Mm -hmm. So... I decided to start a firm to try to give my experience uh, working for the Department of Defense and to the commercial world out here in Europe to help them protect themselves from external and internal threats. And I have to say, I'm never going back. I just love it here way too much. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, you are one of the proudest uh, citizens or, or inhabitants <laughs> of Munich, as I found it out earlier. 
I, I also love this city, actually. We are sitting in Munich, by the way, at the moment, which is rarely the case in the podcast. But now we can do it face-to-face in, in Meisberger uh, office. And uh, I heard a lot of cute stories from you. Would you just pick one for us uh, from your background? I mean, what, uh, what you faced in here in Germany, some so for I, you, what was weird, maybe? So I, I, I have a few. Um, when it comes to insider threats, one of a very good example of this is a company that we were working for that had one major salesperson, the leader of a um, whole entire sales team was leaving a company and it wasn't on the best terms. So we were asked to come in and do an investigation to make sure that he wasn't taking anything to a competitor of interest to the company that was just owned by it, like the company's IPA or any other sales material. Mm -hmm. So we showed up to do this collection on this one, one system, a one company computer to make sure nothing was taken or nothing bad has happened. And while there, the whole rest of the sales team decided to depart the company at the exact same time. This became a major red flag uh, for the, the company, the executive staff, and for us. And so they asked us by luck what to do. And our main response was, if they've all quit, take their computers, don't delete, don't do anything. Um, we then went and did an investigation on the machines that these employees used to use and work with. And we found some interesting information. Quick background, the company was using was a cloud environment. So all their data that they transferred between employees was basically all virtual. There was no need to physically transfer anything. It can just be sent links. They can all have access to all files that they mm -hmm. need. Now oh, it's easier than ever. Oh yeah, it's simpler. It's a, it's a very secure way. Um, it's a good way of protecting your data from the outside, but not from the inside. Um, what we discovered as we were going through these machines, that this company actually doesn't allow USB devices to be used inside their network or inside their office. They did a very good job to protect people from plugging stuff in. But they didn't actually disable that function in the machines. So we found multiple computers that had USB storage devices plugged into them And we could see company files were put onto these USB devices mm -hmm. and they were gone. Mm -hmm. So as we did this investigation, we ended up finding three employees that looked to have taken sales material and classified by classified companies, vital information. Mm -hmm. And we're walking to a competitor with that piece of information. Mm -hmm. And we were able to help this firm identify it, report it. And have created a cease and desist through legal means to protect that company from losing any information of value. Mm -hmm. And it's these employees who did it don't think they're fully malicious of trying to hurt the company, mm -hmm. but I think it is a lot of times I just thought of, well, I work for the company, I've done this, this is my material, I'm just going to take it with me. Oh, yeah. And without thinking of repercussions and or thinking that they might get caught. Actually, it's it's not our job, not your job, or my job, to to decide what right. is what is legal and what what is. But but uh, the, the customer shall be happy about finding this out. But it sounds simple that you just look at the computers. But could you tell them first what tools you use, or how should someone imagine this forensic work which you do for for someone who is not really sure deep thing. into this. Uh, 
so, cybersecurity technologies. Um, cyber forensics, we collect information off of computers and hard drives and storage devices, anything that holds data. But we use tools that are outside the operating system. So we have the ability to go and use our own tools. And so where Windows might show you that you've deleted a file and you can never see it again, we have tools that actually say, no, the file still exists. Mm -hmm. It wasn't overwritten, but we can now see it. Mm-hmm. So it's it gives us a, an edge over most standard IT professionals mm-hmm. that we are able to gather more data and recover data that's thought to be lost. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's basically one of our, our big strengths with forensics is we have deeper knowledge of how the equipment works mm-hmm. and how we can bypass some of the built-in functions to allow us to get mm-hmm. more important information that's been lost and, and extracted. Um, in the case that I just described, what we did was we did hard drive extraction. So we created an exact copy of everything that's on the hard drive. And then we were able to use our tools to see um, log files that have been deleted, um, uh, files that were deleted, um, history of files being transferred to locations, stuff that Windows doesn't normally show you or deletes mm-hmm. itself yeah. after a period of time that we were able to go back and collect and create a full proper picture of what was done on that computer. Mm-hmm. It's time, it takes a lot of time, but it's it's worth it. And how about the cloud? Do they enable the, the users to do such an investigation within the cloud or is it more difficult? So the cloud, the answer is yes and no, which is going to be my favorite answer to most questions. <laughs> it all depends. Um, Cloud computing has given a unique opportunity where all that information being collected. So anything that is done, you have a backup for it. You have a log for it. Mm-hmm. Every process, every step of the way. So if your cloud is properly configured, our job is much easier. We just pull down all the logs. But if the cloud is not properly configured, it does make it more difficult to go and prove everything mm-hmm. that's there. If the log files are constantly being deleted or they're not put in a secure location or they're mm-hmm. constantly being overwritten. Mm-hmm. Um, But that's, that being said, a properly configured cloud that keeps track of every piece of information and activity is much easier for a security professional like myself to go and recreate what has happened. Um, and also for companies, it's a good way of making sure that their data isn't lost or accidentally deleted, that they can, they can rebuild that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And uh, yeah, this was a typical story of an insider threat, I think. But you've got other uh, experiences in here. So, so what, what would you say, um, if I may, uh, some addition to this question, uh, that regarding the, the typical German Mittelstand, what we say, so what are there, according to your experience, what are their, their biggest weaknesses? What should they take care of more? What's so um, my, my unique experience here coming from America in the cybersecurity world and cybersecurity field and coming to Germany is we have for years been attacked and by around the world and English is a very common language worldwide. Mm-hmm. And so we've seen so many attacks and so many tricks that we've, us cybersecurity professionals in the United States have basically become jaded and, have, and we know we don't trust anything. Mm-hmm. But here in Germany, the German language, I think, has really protected Germany for the longest time from these type of attacks. Yeah. It's, it wasn't a 
an easy language to just write up and send to people. Mm-hmm. So people who mm-hmm. German isn't their first or second or third language weren't writing attacks and exploits and attacking them here. So a lot of the attacks were in English and the Germans would just delete it. Mm-hmm. But nowadays with the advancement in automatic language translations like DeepL and all these other great tools out there, they're now getting these attacks that we've seen 10 years ago, but the Germans didn't experience it and they're falling for them. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a firm that had a very, very simple spam campaign that we worked with that they, they were attacked and they assumed that they were hacked and that their email was being sent out to customers saying, hey, give us money. You, you owe us more cash and then had the wrong bank account and customers were falling for it. And even the employees were falling for it. And so they are putting in their systems that these employees, these customers have not paid it based on just a spam campaign that was being sent to them in German. Mm-hmm. So we, we showed up to do a forensic collect of their whole entire mail server. Mm-hmm. And what we end up realizing they were just running uh, windows, an old version of windows they're running old version of Microsoft that had no spam filter capability. And they've been sitting like that for the last seven years and just decided we don't need to update anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what they, they thought they were getting real hacks. It was just a simple, easy bot campaign that was being sent at them. And they just wasted their time, money and resources and made their customers trust them a little bit less because they're being exploited. But it's one of those, the, the, the actual translation of this web, uh, this phishing campaign was quite literally an email. I think I saw back in like 2001. Mm-hmm. It was like, this is a joke, like Google, uh, Gmail and Yahoo mail, like those automatically filter all these spam out. But Microsoft yeah. at this point wouldn't do it what they're using. Yeah. I so, experienced the same, right? Even at other languages, my, you know, my language is originally Hungarian and even in Hungarian, I was, uh, the, the targeted by spear phishing attacks even, very properly created Hungarian emails. So I think I'm, I'm, I'm afraid no one is safe from that kind of attack. And spear phishing is not the easiest one to, to go with. So yeah, they're, they're perfectly designed for you. They're built and, yeah. and set up for it. I, I was yeah. astonished. How, how is it possible? <laughs> why, why? But, but uh, yeah, going back to the topic, yeah, in, in, in Germany, I think they have very, very similar uh, issues which in any other country in Europe. Maybe one difference is that the economy is stronger here. So, so that, that they, they assume, I mean, on the ethical side, that there is money to take and steal, and they succeed, unfortunately. Headline of the week. This uh, week, this headline... Uh, it comes from the Info Security magazine. It's about uh, a, a research being done. The title is Home Working Drives 44% Surge in Insider Threats. And uh, I just uh, shortly summarize it for, for the listeners. So, according to a survey, insider threats cost organizations an average of over 15 million annually to remediate last year. The frequency of incidents per company also increased with 67% of companies experiencing between 21 and more than 40 incidents per day, up to 60% in 2020. Malicious intent is also a major cause of insider threats, according, uh, accounting for a quarter uh, of incidents at an average cost of uh, $648,000 to remediate. Once again, the work from home 
mandate has driven this trend, allowing employees more remote access to sensitive data. So, simply, what's your opinion about this topic? You've already mentioned some insider threats. Yeah, so in the age of post-COVID, mm-hmm. um, working from home is almost a necessity at this point in time. We've, been, we've shown how productive people can be working remotely. I'm a huge proponent for working remotely, but there is a major vulnerability in people working from outside of their current IT infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of companies try to adapt what they had to support their employees going home, but their initial IT security wasn't designed for remote working. Yes, there are great tools out there that can help protect you, but a lot of these people are being sent home with their machines and their home network, or they're not working from home. They're working from a hotspot or a local restaurant and using that. And any place where you can connect can be exploited. Unless you're using some proper VPNs or proper encryption of your data going back to your company and protection, there's a good opportunity that you can be attacked from outside. Um, the, the biggest threat in the United States, we had a big push for um, bring your own devices to work. And it's a brilliant principle. It's using infrastructure from your employees. They're happy with it, so there's no training on the device. But it has a major security vulnerability of you're bringing in external devices that aren't fully protected by your IT department. They're not being kept up to date. They're not fully being managed. So there's there's a lot of risk to that. Mm-hmm. And yep. I think might be that for the listeners, it's not obvious what what does really insider threat mean. To me, it's, it's always uh, surprising a bit that the careless or naturally negligent employee or contractor is the biggest risk in these terms. So it is not something that, that they are a real attacker. They just, they're just careless. Sometimes, uh, yeah, on, uh, to an extent which is unbelievable, but uh, you need. But uh, dear listeners, please take that into consideration. That if you are just not configuring your own computer like the, your company asks you to do, you are one of these insider threats right now. Have you seen examples like that? So to this <laughs> negligent. Oh yes, it's behavior. Cybersecurity. Most people just think that's the job of the IT department, yeah. and they're responsible for that. Or there's a cybersecurity professional. Cybersecurity for a company is everybody from the person working the front desk mm-hmm. to the person working the very top of the office. Cyber. It comes down to everybody need to protect their company. A quick incorrect link or going good example is people who are using their work logins, their work passwords. They're happy using the same one over and over again. Your IT department should have a policy to have you reset and your password at least every 30 days and not use the same password over five or six times at least. Preferably never use the same password again. But there's people don't really work that way. They like to use their own passwords on multiple things. It's just easier for them. It's understandable, actually. It's pretty exactly. difficult. Exactly. Without a password manager. So, but people will go and log into certain websites or sign up for email blogs or anything and use their work email. Mm. And then not even thinking about it, use the exact same password that they use for their home devices mm. on these other websites. And they don't realize that some of these websites could be exploits. 
Some of these websites could be actual traps or these can be legit websites that they've been hacked and all that information has been collected and malicious actors now have access to it. So that is a very common and very, very simple example of what's out there. Just no one trying to do anything malicious, mm-hmm. but giving the opportunity for exploits by malicious actors by ignorance, by not understanding mm-hmm. the risk that is out there. Mm-hmm. So education, I have to say, is the key to help mm-hmm. protect is understanding what is out there and helping your employees know what to not do, um, mm-hmm. what to avoid. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's just some easy collect. Mm-hmm. There's also more aggressive attacks on companies um, trying to do physical exploitation where an employee might find a USB device that was set down on the ground or they found it in the parking lot of their company and they're just curious. They plug it in and there's a malicious code on there that affects the network, maybe allows access, encrypts their network, just does damage. Mm -hmm. They had no intent of doing harm, but it was pure accident. Somebody else Mm -hmm. created a possibility of being exploited and they just oh, yeah. became a unwilling participant. Mm-hmm. As I understood, you already help your customers finding out what is, if, if they are already being hacked, not just from the aspect and from the direction of forensics, but from threat intelligence uh, collections. Uh, can you mention a, an example? So what happens when, when the companies face the reality that, that their information is already leaked What kind of information can you find of a, a company so, in these cases? It, no problem. Um, there, are, there are companies that their whole life is basically monitoring and collecting information from the dark web and from hostile actors um, and just collecting internet information and scanning it mm-hmm. for things that were stolen or vulnerabilities. Um, a good example, we had a customer that we approached and said it, They were having an issue and we did we looked at their network and did a forensic case. But while there we saw their network wasn't really up to snuff. They they had a lot of vulnerabilities that they need to do. Their IT department was being underfunded mm-hmm. and they weren't putting a lot of belief in that they would be a risk. Mm-hmm. Now this company makes 300 million a year, so that's a very large company and does very well for itself. Mm-hmm. But We, we came in and said, hey, you should do this. You should look, do a little bit more security of this. And they said, thank you. We're fine. We have not really been attacked in the past. Mm-hmm. We, we, no one wants to come after us. So one of our solutions was a, a dark web scraper. And we just did a quick look on their company's domain, what has been released to hackers and malicious actors. What, is, what have they seen? And within five minutes, we found full credentials of the CEO all of his email account passwords, all of his personal information, all of these stuff that was easily, easily could have been protected. But this, they didn't think it. So we came back and said, listen, we understand that you don't think you've been attacked. You think an attack is just your whole entire infrastructure shutting down and nothing there, which is the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. But look what's already out there. There is the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Like the, there is smoke there. There may not be fire yet, mm-hmm. but it is getting closer and you should definitely look at this. And so they, they changed their tone. They, mm-hmm. they put more money into their IT department and started increasing their security and created a, a training pipeline for that yeah. to teach your employees what's the risk out there mm-hmm. and to reduce their vulnerabilities, which is mm-hmm. a smart way of doing it. Yeah. So finding credentials, for example, on the dark web, I think it's also very likely that the root cause 
was an insider threat. So some kind of a negligent uh, behavior of maybe even the, the CEO. That, that could be it. Or the people using unsecure websites and or going to web pages that pulls that information down and going to places they shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. um, not probably on purpose in this case, probably accidental, but mm -hmm. they get collected and they don't realize it. Or they could have done everything right. And just a website that they properly work with or a web application that got exploited and they didn't right. realize it and all that information was taken. Mm -hmm. And they weren't monitoring it because they weren't funding their IT department mm -hmm. enough to keep track of their environment. Great. So what are your advices? As I understood, training, awareness, creation, that's, that's, that's number one. Num what number else can they do? Oh, yeah. Number one always is education. Always okay. training. Um, keeping people understand what's happening. Um, and teaching that security isn't, like I said, a one person's job or the IT department. It is everybody's job to protect. Mm -hmm. um, additionally, most IT professionals, we just have to keep up to date. The, the How fast the world is changing when it comes to exploits is knowing what is out there and how you can adapt to it. Um, and then going above, like going outside the IT department to the executive side of companies is realizing just because your IT is strong today doesn't mean it's going to be strong tomorrow. So you have to keep planning on upgrading and advancing and going to the next level. Because changes come quick. And if you don't go with the flow, you'll just be ran over. Yeah. I think it's it's uh, also within this uh, survey, but in my favorite report from IBM, the cost of a data breach, and every single report I read is about that the, the attackers are being more and more, there is more and more data being stored and we are just lagging behind, which is my, my favorite number is the, the average uh, time for detecting a breach, data breach. Uh, five years ago, it was 180 or so. Now it's almost 300 days until they, they, they realize that they've been, they already been hacked or just that was an accidental data breach. Yeah, so, uh, you, we need to take care of that. But uh, we also had an interesting chat just before the podcast, and I don't want to skip that topic. And this was about privacy. And in this case, I don't mean uh, music <laughs> or, 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 or video privacy, but the actual privacy. So attacking ships. And we found, uh, so um, it might be a coincidence, but I'm afraid the economy make it uh, realistic that there are organizations which have uh, pirates, using ships and other pirates using, using ransomware tools. What similarities do you see in these things? And is it really, really happening today that, that people are attacking ships? So we were discussing the, the piracy over the, the Horn of Africa and the commercial, yeah. commercial ships being captured by Somali pirates and ransomed out. And we, we started discussing how that environment works, how pirates are organized themselves out there. And a lot of these pirates that are going out and doing the attacks aren't the ones that are making the money from the ransom. So the money that's coming back to get these poor sailors that been captured, freed, isn't going to the pirate that's risking his life and out there and attacking, yeah. doing terrible things, is going to the man on shore that owns the boats and saying, here's how you're doing. Um, but that same principle is basically what Cybercrime is basically becoming. It's people who are developing and putting together the plans for exploits mm -hmm. are basically merchant um, 
franchising their attacks. Wow. So they aren't the ones doing the attack, but they will build the tool. They will build the, the means of an attack and then sell it to others who will do that for a cut of whatever they get. Mm. So that is one of the good examples of what's happening right now. with The increase in cyber threats are these organizations that have basically turned cybercrime into a business. It's mm. easy to do for them. They give them people who don't really know what they're doing, but want to start. Mm -hmm. And basically, here's a how-to guide, and they're attacking. It's increasing the amount of risk out there. But it's the same same principle of you are right. physical piracy mm -hmm. and cybercrime. They're following the same type of model. And you are saying that a university student who is creating scripts uh, which can be used as a, as a malicious tool are a bit similar to two to guys... Uh, on the shore of, of Somalia, for example. Yeah, it's it's a it's a digital world here. It's We're, shocking, but yeah. yeah, that's the truth. It's it's a new it's a new frontier, and by new, You're, it's it's thirty plus years old frontier for us at this point. True, but it's true. it's where everything is. It's the wild west. Um, mm -hmm. People are finding ways to make money at the the risk of other people, at mm -hmm. the loss of other people, and businesses like cybercrime. Are going to grow. It's going to increase. Um, there's too much. I don't want to say there's too much anonymity. There's anonymity on the internet, and there's ways of protecting yourself, and people can hide. So they can build these networks and make profit through malicious activity, mm -hmm. and never get caught. It's very difficult to chase them down. Yeah. This is our world today. That whatever money is, mm -hmm. there will be some actors who who want to to get that. So. As easy as that. So today's topic was insider threats. Today's guest was Morgan Alexander from Quantum Cyber Lab. Thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you so much. This is wonderful. Everyone, thank you for listening and stay secure. Thank you.